What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Off the Dome Radio. I have another fun one for you today. Uh, interesting interview. Uh, we had uh, Lady Amela, hope I'm saying her name right, reach out to us uh, on behalf of our guest today, Doug Bertram. Um, and, and she, you know, kind of found us, said, hey, I think this would be, a, uh, Doug would be a great uh, guest on your show. And so she sent us all this info. And he's, he's really kind of right up our alley, um, especially mine being in some health and wellness. So Doug Bertram, founder and CEO of Structural Elements, and that is their, their Instagram handle as well, at Structural Elements. Um, and what that is, is an orthopedic wellness clinic. And he uses his own blend of different styles of treatments, some more modern and contemporary, some more from uh, Eastern Asian practices as well. So once we get rolling, he kind of dives right in, started uh, with going to massage therapy school and he was out on the West Coast. And so we talked about what motivated him to do that, the difference between dry needling and acupuncture because he has both of those offered in his practices. And then he talks about how he formed his own business. You know, when he was in college, he kind of had his own thing going, you know, do massage and then some treatments and eventually just formed his own brick and mortar. Uh, now he has a few different locations, so it's, it's really going well for him. And, you know, he talks about why preventative maintenance uh, is the main driver of his business and why he set up his practice the way that he did. And then he gets into some of the biggest obstacles that he had to face while being an entrepreneur, uh, especially, you know, we, we talk about um, this year, last year, and uh, also what makes his clinic a little bit different and the peop- kind of people that he has in it as well and uh, how he really maximizes his time as a CEO of a franchise company. Tim, what do you think of our, uh, our conversation with Doug today? Yeah, I enjoyed our conversation with Doug. I feel like we could have talked with him for hours. He's such a knowledgeable mm-hmm. guy. You can you can really tell he he takes his craft seriously and uh, really utilizes his time to to, to continue learning. Uh, so I I obviously had to ask about his marketing approach. So Doug, Doug talks about his creative marketing strategy and really talks about the importance of making uh, partnerships with influencers in the community. So he took a look at his customer base how do they interact with other businesses in the community and how can he kind of bridge that gap and and offer his services to help other people in their own businesses so he talks about that um he talks about how he's utilizing technology to kind of improve his company's marketing position and um different things like that so i enjoyed that part and then we obviously had to ask about covid and kind of the most important things that he's learned through that process because i know they hit a little speed bump there with um with that and uh, so we asked about his approach with that how he adapted how he changed and kind of his approach towards continued education and then we also asked how his company does nutrition aspect of things because i know you were especially interested in that and um obviously they do a lot of things for the body so we wanted to see how, how they do from that nutrition standpoint and then we end the show by asking how he wants to be remembered and uh, Doug shares his final thoughts. And I think anybody who's trying to improve any aspect of their body, because obviously, um, I mean, longevity, it starts with your body, how you eat, how you stretch, how your flexibility. And, and Doug really covered a lot of everything in this interview. And I think yep. no matter who, who you are and no matter where you are in your health journey, I think there's a lot of valuable things you can get from this interview. Um, and things that you can apply in your own life. So uh, without further ado, Doug Bertram. Yeah, 
Yeah, so maybe just uh, intro yourself for our, our people listening and, yeah, kind of where you went to school, why you started to get into what you're into, and, and yeah, we'll go from there, man. Sounds good. So I'm Doug Bertram, and uh, I'm the founder and uh, CEO of Structural Elements. And uh, Structural Elements is, is both, you know, brick-and-mortar clinics. Um, we are, uh, also consider ourselves to be an education company. Um, and, and today it's even evolved into a franchise system, right? So um, I'm probably in the company of few in, in that uh, um, my licensure is as an acupuncturist. And you probably don't have too many people that both uh, fly the flag of, of acupuncturist and CEO of franchise company. But uh, my, my path to get here has been, has been a curvy one for sure, you know. Yeah. Um, Always been an athlete and uh, and grew up, you know, uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, soccer player, you know, ran track, always, always very, very active. And uh, first freshman to make varsity as a goalkeeper and who knows how long in school history, destroyed my wrist first game of the season, right? And, and ultimately, you know, orthopedic surgeon was like, you know, consider yourself lucky that, you know, we saved, you know, use of the hand, but don't expect, you know, to return back to, you know, much in terms of, of athletics and using the hand. I'm like, you don't tell that to a 14 year old, you know, who lives to play goalkeeper, you know, <laughs> doctor. And, uh, and through my rehab process, working with just some awesome therapists, I really saw the value in having somebody that believes in the power of the body to heal. Right. And that whole rehab process kind of giving me my joy back of being the starting goalkeeper the, the next season from age of 15. I was like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to work with to help people get back to what they love to do. Right. So, um, you know, growing up, I uh, again in, in Milwaukee, my track coach was like, you know, Doug, if you know, this is what you want to do. Why don't you take a furlough year? before going to college and go to massage school. And that way, you know, you can make a good living while you pursue additional education and you can really, you know, work in different fields and kind of see what it is that, that resonates with you. And, and I did just that, you know, I went to massage school and then, man, I became like the nerd of all nerds with continuing education, you know, like you know, long haired hippie kid with a backpack traveling around to like Arizona to go study with John Barnes. And then, you know, Colorado to study, you know, with Don Kip and going, you know, all over the place doing neuromuscular work and cranial sacral therapy. And, you know, just if, if I could, if, if I could find something more to study, I, I, I did it. And, and ultimately, uh, it led me to finding the, the Naropa University, which is a Buddhist college in, in Boulder. And, uh, and I started uh, there studying psychology. And, and I kind of got into, you know, Eastern philosophy and not, not so much religion, but just looking at like systems theory and, and just, you know, kind of that mind-body connection. Um, and uh, had a practice all through it, you know, was, was, was working on climbers and, you know, a lot of gymnastics athletes that, that I got connected with there and, and uh, just have always you know, kind of geared towards working with that active population. Um, had a really hard, like, which direction do I go? Do I go, you know, to, to become a chiropractor, uh, an osteopath, uh, you know, physical therapist? And, and ultimately, my draw towards Chinese medicine, and most people don't know this, actually, like, the good schools of Chinese medicine are not just acupuncture. And it, and it, it drives me crazy that that's how I'm licensed, right? It's like I always say it'd be like telling, like, like a – a chef that they're like 
a spatula chef. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just a tool, right? It's just a tool. And, and most people, you know, even with like the whole dry needling versus acupuncture debate and all of that, what they're really talking about is Chinese medicine versus, you know, doing just, you know, motor points or musculoskeletal based, you know, use of the needle. Um, but studying Chinese medicine, you know, is, is dietetics. It's, it's looking at exercise science. It's studying, you know, the, the meridian systems, but it's also studying, you know, you know, all of the, the biomechanics and, and, you know, so we, we, we did manipulations. We learned, you know, soft tissue work. We, we, you know, we learn exercise science, we learn, you know, diet and, and all of that. So it's a, it's a really a, more of a com, comprehensive education and just, just to get licensed for the acupuncture part of that is like such an undershot of, 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 of the education that we really had, you know? So, but anyways, um, had a busy practice all through grad school. That was out in California, first in San Diego, then in Santa Cruz. And, um, I kind of, you know, I moved from San Diego to Santa Cruz and all these other students that had been living in Santa Cruz, also massage therapists, I come in and like in like three months, my schedule's slammed, busy, and I have like a <laughs> following. And they're like, you know, like, what are you doing different, you know? And yeah. like, why, you know, why are you able to build your practice so fast? And, and that was really like the, the launch point is I was like, I don't know, what, what do I do differently? And, uh, and, and out of that was born the modality and the continuing education platform of structural right mm. and so the structural and the elements you know my background in structural body work and manual therapy you know the elements is both a play on engineering uh language in terms of you know quantifying mechanical stress and looking at you know weaknesses within a system but it's also the elements of a five element in chinese medicine you know so uh, so that's kind of like an overview of you know of kind of you know how we got to this point but um you know, that's, that's about as short as I can make it without diving <laughs> of rabbit holes, you know. Fair enough. Um, so your grad school degree was with, that was Chinese medicine? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, master's degree in, in traditional Chinese medicine at Five okay. University in Santa Cruz was, was, was where I graduated from. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know that even just acupuncture alone is pretty powerful stuff. Uh, where, where I used to work, like we would do it on people from stress and anxiety points yeah. to, I mean, a shoulder case. And it's like, you see yeah. instant change. Absolutely. Well, definitely. So, I mean, again, like you guys, you guys shut me up whenever you want here, but there's a couple of things I love to run with just yeah. as yeah. kind of foundational pieces. And you know, the, 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 again, I, I want to look at this, this differentiation between acupuncture and, and, and dry needling, because this is like, this is a big sticking point. And one of my big missions, you know, we have chiropractors, we have acupuncturists, we have massage therapists, we have, pers you know, physical um, therapists, we have athletic trainers, but we all practice structural elements, right? And one of my big missions is to break down the barriers of, you know, kind of this like pissing match between professions of what's mine and what's yours. And, you know, as long as we are safely treating patients and we have access to tools that can be helpful, I say, let's learn from each other and let's put best practice in motion and let's take care of people and get them well. Right. And so one of the, one of the sticking points that I see between, you know, a lot of the professions is, is this use of the needle. Right. And the term dry needle, comes from uh, control-based studies of looking at the effectiveness of injection therapy, right? So if you're going to do, you know, a trigger point injection with lidocaine or with ozone or, you know, with cortisone, you need a control group to know whether the injectable is what's getting the therapeutic outcome, 
right? So your control group is a placebo dry needle, right? It's basically you're sticking a needle in, but you're not injecting anything, and that's mm -hmm. one of your control groups. And what they found during the conduction of these studies is that the control group, the AKA the dry needle, also had tremendous therapeutic benefit to treating these trigger points. Right. So from that, they looked at, OK, if, if the dry needle is effective, well, then what's the best dry needle to use? You know, a, a, a hypodermic needle that has a beveled edge and, and is, is hollow is not the best needle to use for a trigger point because there's more risk of infection because of the hollow tube. And there's more risk of tissue damage because of the beveled edge that you need to, to puncture, you know, for an injectable. Um, so using an acupuncture needle right, is a solid filiform needle, which is a much better tool, right? The why you use a needle is about as widespread as you can get, right? I mean, even within Chinese medicine alone, I mean, you have, you know, Korean hand acupuncture, you have auricular acupuncture, you have, you know, Dr. Zhu's scalp acupuncture, you have like, you know, uh, you know, Matt Callison's trigger point, you know, sports, uh, you know, acupuncture. It's like, there's so many different applications. So the, the, the tool itself, if you're going to do motor points and try to facilitate a twitch response in a tight muscle belly to release the, the tone in the muscle to be able to ease pain or, or better manipulate that joint, Great, right? You know, the, the majority of the reason why we use needles and structural elements is, is, is fascia related, is connective tissue related. Our target tissue is the intramuscular septa between muscle layers, uh, focusing on something called a focal adhesion. And what makes structural elements unique in terms of our proprietary system is we've mapped out systemically where these focal adhesions form throughout the body in relation to a structural imbalance. Right. So it's kind of paint by numbers and it's a numerical grid that we've overlaid on the body. So if, if I find the hips are out, you know, and, and there's an anterior rotation on the right ilium and, and there's, you know, a locked up left SI joint, it might be a three, five pattern. It would be our language. We know exactly where to go to, to put the needles. And what we're looking to do is free up where focal adhesions or thickening of the collagen has happened between two functional muscle layers that should glide past one another, but have become adhered to gain mechanical advantage. Mm -hmm. Right. So the fact that I use a needle and a chiropractor uses a needle and a physical therapist and an athletic trainer, all use needles. It, it's like, that's not a reason to like, you know, to, to, to be enemies and be territorial. It's just right. a great tool, you know? Yeah. So. And, and, and the two different uh, practices are just different applications. You got you know, it. What, what's, what's the goal? What's the so goal? Do you right. need dry needling or do you need acupuncture? It, right. it's, it's just, you can't, it's not apples and apples. It's exactly. 100%. Yeah. I, so, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, so you, you get out of grad school, your practice is booming. You got damn near people on wait lists. Um, take us through when you decided to form structural elements. When, when at first like, okay, I, I have something, I need to really make this a business. Um, what did that kind of look like? To be honest with you, man, I was, so I went to massage school when I was 18 years old. And like I mentioned, you know, I found my way down to like Sedona, Arizona. I'm sitting in like one of the John Barnes, you know, myofascial workshops. And again, this is like, you know, I haven't even practiced yet, right? I'm just, just out of school at this point. And I'm looking around this room and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I paid 495 bucks to be here. And there's like, a lot of people in this room right now, you know? <laughs> and so honestly, you know, just from like day one of, of exposure kind of into the field, I knew that education was like the path that I wanted to take. I, I've always known that, you know, standing over a table is something that I love to do. 
but it's it, it's 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 not scalable, right? I mean, you know, just me being over a table, I'm one injury away from unemployment. You know, and so for me, it's always been about communicating the the what and the how, not just the doing. You know, and so um, so that was always a goal. Um, I've I've always you know, I've taught uh, whether it be anatomy or or you know bodywork techniques in, in massage school. Like I've taught for a long time from an early age, and I've been assistant to you know some some uh, people in continuing education seminars and stuff like that. And then really it was it was you know in grad school I started teaching at the school and and started uh, offering the the structural elements you know uh, methodology, um, kind of this observation of this mapping of these focal adhesions throughout the body. And, uh, and then literally when I met my wife, uh, her family is just cooler than my family. Right. And so, <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 we, we wanted to be close to her folks, uh, when we started having kids. And so, uh, I was living in Denver at the time. And so she dragged me to Northern Maryland where I knew nobody and, <laughs> and uh, and, uh and it was kind of like, all right, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go set up shop. And so we moved here. You know, had a you know have, we have two daughters now, and and I opened up this little you know humble clinic in a strip mall in in northern Maryland, thinking that this is okay. I, you know, my will be my humble little practice, but but that you know my my fortune is going to be made on continuing education and, and and my road show, right? And then the the how to scale an uh, in intellectual property, uh, you know, and how what do you do that through a certification? You know, I mean. I used to teach so many weekends and I was like, you know, to get from level one to like mastery of a body of work. I mean, it's so transient, you know, continuing education. It's really hard to like work with the same group of therapists for a prolonged time to really help mentor them into being great therapists. So how, how do you keep them captive? You know, it's like, some bodies have like certifications, like, you know, ART, they've done a good job of like, you know, managing um, uh, their, their mentorship of therapists and education with, with a certification body. And honestly, you know, when we built the clinic, it just turned out great, you know, super modern. It was, you know, we have glass sliding walls and, you know, everything just came out really clean. I'm kind of a interior uh, um, design, you know, like a uh, closet case, you know, it's like, it's really like what I live for, and, and, yeah. but I'm just kind of hiding it in a wellness pack. Um, but uh, it turned out super cool. And, and then you know, cash practice, it's like you have all the other things that go along with running a practice that I've just been doing it for so long. And I've been in so many different environments as I've moved around that I've just seen what people have done. Well, I've seen what people struggle with. And, you know, by the time you put in your, your, your point of sale and your EMR and your retail program and, you know, figure out all of your vendors and, you know, your clinic design and your fine, you know, you get your, your QuickBooks, you know, your chart of accounts all templated out and you realize, man, like I could save people like a lot of energy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it became more of like not just what you do in the treatment room, but what's the patient experience all the way from the time that they are looking for you on the web to the first interaction they have when they're scheduling their appointment, all the way through their customer uh, customer service experience, you know, and, and I realized there's a lot more than just, you know, how to pull a leg or, you know, where yeah, right. Eating, right? And, and so I was like, we have something. So franchise just kind of became like how we protect the intellectual property and, and how we can actually help people learn from our mistakes. Hmm. And you mentioned, uh, so you're a cash practice. We are. Yeah. hundred okay. Yeah. Um, so curious because, so, uh, 
my practice now and then chiropractor that I share the office with, uh, we're both cash. And at first people are like, oh, you, know, you don't take insurance. Did you ever have that battle where people like, oh, I kind of need you to take insurance? I mean, in the grand scheme, at least how we run it, it's like, look, you get more bang for your buck, you get longer time, every type of modality under the sun, and we don't have to fight insurance. Did, did you have any hurdles with that, um, so, um, with, with going straight cash? Yeah, you know, again, in this, in this part of the world as well, um, you know, it, it was less common for people to bump into a cash practice, right? You're, since, I mean, I've been open for seven years now. You're definitely seeing a trend in that direction where it's much more common. Um, but, but I tell you, like, you know, here, here's the deal, is my contract is with my patient. Right. My contract is for my, my patient knows what it's going to cost them. And I'm going to put absolutely every ounce of my effort into getting them better. Right. And putting all of that energy into getting them well. And unfortunately, it, I don't blame any providers. I don't think that any provider starts off with, you know, this agenda. However, when you get a script for 12 visits, you know, and that's what's approved by an insurance company. Very few people are going to do anything less than 12 visits, mm -hmm. right? And unfortunately, with, the, with how a lot of insurance providers are set up, if you start treating off of the site of diagnosis, it's not reimbursable, right? I, I just don't see the body like that, you know? Like the, the number of times that somebody has come in with knee pain, right? Right medial knee pain. And my solution is either in the hips or even higher up, right? They, that person might have, you know, really extreme head forward posture, right? Which puts their center of mass falling too far forward, which you know what that means? It means they have to widen their stance and externally rotate to catch their upper body from falling forward. You know what that does? It loads the knee, right? So for me to get their knee pain better, I have to work on like internal rotation of their shoulders and work on, you know, core engagement to help them support their torso. And, and that's what's going to unload the knee. If I'm stuck to stretching and strengthening around the knee and, and, you know, doing ultrasound around the knee and manual therapy around the knee, but the knee is still being loaded with that head forward carriage, it's not going to get better. It's not going to improve. So I just refuse to look at my patients as parts, right? I, we treat every patient as a person with a dynamic relationship to gravity and to ergonomics and to activity, right? And so, you know, that's a big part of it. And as soon as you educate people about how you don't want to be limited in offering them the best care available, right? They're like, well, no, I'd rather have the subpar care. You know, it's like yeah, right. nobody says that, right? I mean, everybody wants the good care. But the other thing that you educate them on too that I've found is, is honestly, their time is worth something. I don't care what they do. Their time is worth something. And how many, how many hours out of your week are you going to take to go and, and do therapy where somebody is not really maximizing the efficiency of getting you well? That's all burning your time, which is worth something. Not to mention most people have a copay, right? So by the time you get all those copays start to add up, right? I mean, for me, it's like most people, we get them out of an acute situation in three to four visits. And that's one visit a week, you know, for three to four weeks. And then they're a lifelong patient. We never discharge anybody, right? Because everybody needs maintenance, right? It's like you never get discharged from your personal trainer and say, okay, you're fit now. 
right? Right, right. Call me next time you're fat and out of shape. You, know, no, <laughs> you can always be more fit. You know, it's like you never get discharged. It's like, what's the next thing? Maintenance, right? You want to stay active. You want to stay fit. You want to prevent injuries from happening by keeping your body in good balance, right? I always say like, we take an engineer's approach. So you don't want to wait until a car falls into the Pacific Ocean to call in the engineer and say, oh, what's going on with this bridge, right? <laughs> Why do we wait for our bodies to break down before we have somebody educated look at the body and say, ooh, Here's a vulnerable spot that's that's taking too much mechanical stress, and we can minimize that mechanical stress and strengthen the system to prevent that car from going in the ocean. Right? Mm -hmm. I just think it's it, it's common sense medicine, man. You know, right. and 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 unfortunately, I don't think that there are some insurance companies that are, are starting to be more proactive because the. It, it, it's more cost effective, right? But still a lot of major, you know, uh, carriers, they, they just don't reimburse for, for people to treat the whole body, you know, mm -hmm. and it's until, until that changes, we're cash. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's smart. I think that's long-term, short-term. It's just the best way to go right now until yeah. something drastic happens. And, and, you know, you bring up a good point. Why do we wait till we're in the ocean? Um, you know, People don't know what they don't know. And then usually it takes something catastrophic to get somebody's attention that something is going on that that shouldn't be, right. you know, even if it's like, Hey, rarely have, have I ever had someone like, Hey, I just want to make sure everything's working how it should be. You know, yeah. I feel pretty good. I don't have any pain, but I just want to make sure everything's like rare. Yeah. You're just like, Oh, I threw my back out doing this or that. My knee is killing me whenever, you know, I walk upstairs. Yeah. So, and it's one of the it's one of the things that like I wear like a badge is like I get those patients most of my day, right? Because I, I have I have now, you know, like I said, I've been open here for seven years. I now have gotten the bulk of my patients educated to the point where most of my day is having people come in saying, yep, feel pretty good. You know, like I might, you know, starting to maybe slow down on my runs a little bit, or I'm getting a little bit of that twinginess, you know, and so maybe my hips are out a little bit, maybe you want to check, you know, and, and so we're fine tuning all day long. Right. And, uh, you know, when, 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 when COVID hit and we were quarantined, we, we, we took a two month hiatus from practice and, uh, man, we had a lot of heavy lifting to do when we got back because like all the people that were on maintenance mode, you know, missed a couple of cycles of their treatments and they did come back in pain. And it really not only was, uh, affirming to the patients that what we do is of value, but, you know, I had never really had that true comparison of, of you know, cause I always, you know, saw the patients that I'd been treating, right? So you have really nothing to compare it to, but people were like, I think you're essential. You know, like I fell yeah. apart, you know, and yeah. it's not that we don't give people, you know, exercises and, and educate them on self-care and everything else. But I mean, like I can treat, you know, most things under the sun. I'm terrible at taking care of my own body when I'm hurting. I mean, <laughs> I, it's just hard without that objective third party, you know, lens. What we do is we chase the pain, right? So your knee hurts and you're guilty of, you know, just, you know, taking the hypervolt and just crushing your knee, right? Well, it's right. like, why does the knee hurt? Oh, yeah, well, I'm hunched over and I've been on my, you know, my screen all day. And that's, you know, I've gotten short and tight. And then I go to try to run and, and my knee hurts, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like without that third party, you know, the lens, you know, kind of looking at you and, and, and analyzing, you know, where the breakdown is, not just what the source of pain is, but what the source of dysfunction is. Uh, it, it's really hard to know where to focus. 
Yeah. Thing behind the thing, man. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. always the thing behind the thing, for sure. Yeah, so when you first, like, opened your business in Northern Maryland, what, what were some of the, the, the biggest things you had to overcome? Anything that un- unexpected came up or uh, any, any obstacles to overcome in the beginning that, that you didn't expect? Well, yeah, like I said, you know, this was, this was the first – I've worked all over the country. I've worked in numerous uh, clinical mm-hmm. settings, you know, chiropractic offices, integrative, you know, wellness centers. I've worked in, you know, you know traditional, you know, pain management clinics. I mean, I've worked – but this was the first time I hung my own shingle and opened up my own brick-and-mortar clinic, mm-hmm. right? And what I never really wrapped my head around is that – this clinic has operating costs seven days a week, you know, 52 weeks a year. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as a practitioner, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot to like have to, you know, crack that nut every month on your own. Right. Mm-hmm. Is, is, you know, all that operating costs, there's a lot of stuff just in keeping lights on and, the, you know, and, and doors open that, that is, you know, requires a, a lot of, of not only time, but money, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think what, what I was kind of humbled by was how much less I made once I took the jump to, you know, really be in brick and mortar, opening up my dream clinic. And it was like, so, okay, now I have my dream, but like, it's, it's more of a burden than a breakthrough, you know, mm. and, and, and honestly, it, it took a long time to figure out how to make that better. Right. Because, you know, the obvious thing is, well, you know, we've got plenty of space, right? So you got to just keep marketing and keep hiring people, right. And grow the business. So, I mean, that's what we did. And we, you know, we, we spent up like all of our weekends out at, you know, events and sponsoring marathons and bike races. And, you know, we got this four by four sprinter van and all these, you know, great tents and Norma tech boots and, and all this stuff. And, you know, we spent all this time with patient acquisition. Well, then we were able to hire another, you know, chiropractor, right? Well, guess what? You spend all this time getting that chiropractor busy. And then he decides, eh, I guess the drive is a little longer than, than I, you know, was up for. And he bounces on us, right? Now we've spent all this money, not only paying his salary before he was busy, right? We paid it forward. We spent all this money marketing to get them busy. And, and now they decide, well, this isn't for me. And now you've got a demand that you can't fulfill. Right. So that means that, you know, you get thrown into the hot seat of seeing twice as many patients, you know, as you want to and all of that so that you can try to find that next person, you know, which is another job all of in itself is HR and staffing. Right. And, and so to break that cycle is just really tough. And we, you know, we went through, you know, a lot of turnover with people that, you know, it's like you couldn't afford to pay somebody, you know, you know, a buck 50, you know, just to, to, to fully commit under a long contract. So you're kind of getting somebody in on the low end of what you can afford. But then, you know, it's, it's really difficult without any sort of ownership for them to have incentive to stick around, you know, and, you know, we're teaching them the sauce, right? We're like making them awesome therapists because we're not going to let somebody represent our brand without, you know, without being top notch. And uh, so finally, you know, ultimately we, we flipped our business model and 
And now in our clinic, uh, we are a franchise. And everybody that works here is a micro franchisee. They run their own business and we rent them turnkey ready space under an administrative service agreement, right? And part of what they get for their administrative service agreement is they get inbound <coughs> traffic, right? We do a lot of the outreach. We handle all the social. We handle all of the patient acquisition strategies. We've gotten like super nerdy about like using data, like cell phone GPS technology to find, you know, really understand our customer base and find lookalike audiences of where those people are and understand how many of those, you know, of, of the population density, what market share do we actually have? I mean, and so we've been able to feed those people patients and they get to show up, drop their bag, treat their patients and go home. Right. We, we change their tables over form between visits. We do all of their scheduling, all of their bill collecting. It is just literally oh, wow. everything is just handled for you. So the therapist can literally show up, treat their patients. Peace out. Um, I'm going for a bike ride. Right. And and that now they're a business owner, you know, with a with a with a lease agreement and a franchise agreement. And now for me to mentor them and teach them the secret sauce and, you know, really, you know, go down the rabbit hole with them. It, it, it it's a joy because we're, we're fighting the same fight, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it, it's just, it's taken us a long time to figure that out. It is. And, and so now, you know, we have, we have a model that we were able to stamp out in other markets, right? Unfortunately COVID hit and, you know, it is not a good idea to, to start breaking ground on brick and mortar, you know, just yet until we understand what's going on. But, um, but, but that's what we, how we've flipped our model and, and it's a huge learning curve. But again, I said, you know, I, I made this comment. Somebody, you know, told me this, one of the first franchise events I went to, the franchise is the business of selling your mistakes. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the, the learning curve of, of, of opening up a clinic was super steep. I think that's pretty great spinning it that way. There's so much incentive for, for people to come work for you too. And, where you, like you said, you get top notch people. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you, you cut out or you're not, but you're going to learn some things here too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you can't get much more of a silver platter than how you're kind of delivering it no. to them. Like you shouldn't have any complaints. Yeah. You know, no, it's, like uh, it's uh it's worked really well. I'm telling you, like I've, I've flipped, you know, I've flipped clinical practice and, and, you know, on its side every which way. And, and unless you're willing to play the volume game, which means insurance and negotiated rates, right. And just turn into a mill. Right. But if you want to be a boutique, you know, practice that's really committed to the highest quality of care, you know, it, it is really hard to, you know, grow beyond yourself. You know, it's like, so to clone yourself and to get other people that have that buy-in and everything else, it, it, it's tough, you know? And so you see what you end up seeing is a lot of providers that are, you know, like kind of the, the special, you know, you know, really legendary, you know, therapists and providers, they end up killing it in their own practice, but they end up just having the rest of their office basically be a wash, mm. right? They end up just, you know, covering their expenses and because they overbuilt and, and, you know, and they have this clinic that is becomes a burden and, and, and eats into their margin for their practice. I, I've seen it time and time and time and time again. 
you know, and then they're looking for that massage therapist or that chiropractor to rent a room a couple of days a week, but they're not making money on that. They're just, they're just slowing the bleed down in most sure. cases, you know? Um, so, you know, we really try to solve that. And I, and I think we have, you know, mm-hmm. but again, that, that allows for better attention to patient care. Mm-hmm. Right. And it all comes back to, I don't want that person, you know, that therapist cleaning toilets on Sunday and starting to resent, you know, being at the clinic, I want them to show up with energy and I want them to give a hundred percent focus towards getting their patients well, connecting and building relationships with those patients and then not have to take their work home with them and go be active and go spend time with their family and have that work-life balance, you know, because that's what is going to get them to bring a hundred percent back into the treatment room the next day they show up, you know, hundred percent. and that's what it's all about. You know, for some, some patients too, I'm sure you've seen where even though it might be rehab or, or you're getting fixed up, you try to make it a good time where for some people, that's the highlight of their day that day. 100%. Maybe, maybe everything else went to shit. It's like, yeah. you know what? God, I get to go see my people at Structural Elements, man. I get to oh. get worked on, you know. I'll ask for some time in the Normatech boots and I'll just veg after I'm done. And, and it's people like – People look yeah. forward to it for a long time. Well, fortunately, you know, our schedule does get really booked up. So sometimes people do have to, you know, schedule in advance. And, and if, and if, you know, I mean, we'll always get creative if somebody's in an acute, you know, situation, but, but, you know, people are like, Oh man, I've been looking forward to this for, you know, for the last yeah. couple of weeks. And, yeah. and you know, we, we've done a good job with like our branding and stuff too. I mean, we have like a lot of merch and, and, you know, some good t-shirts and nice hats and stuff that we've made up. And it's crazy. Like I will see people, you know, around, not even just like close to the clinic, but I'll run into people like wearing our stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea who this person even is, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe they're a patient of one of the other therapists or one of the other clinics, but it's like, people are rocking the brand. And I'm like, Hey, whoa, whoa, I, I know that, you know, yeah. you know, I have that hat somewhere, you know? Um, but, but again, it's just, you know, it, you don't think of like, you know, your, your, you know, your wellness clinic, I mean, like, like, sorry, like if I offend anybody, but like, you know, like we're not your mother's wellness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wellness <laughs> to have this kind of like, you know, rain stick and tapestry and the little Walmart fountain in the corner of the room, you know, with the CD player and, you know, the, 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 the hippie chick, you know. And, and but it's, you know, the, the idea, of, especially of, of orthopedic wellness, that's kind of like an oxymoron. Right. When people hear the word orthopedic, they think of injuries and they think of surgery and they think of, you know, pain. But what about prevention of deterioration of joints? What about human performance enhancement by optimizing the way that your body functions? Right? What's on the what's on the other side of dysfunction and pain? Right? And so we try to establish an active goal with each of our patients. They don't have to be an elite athlete, right? Like when we say we treat an active population, your active goal could be, you know, as a grandparent, you want to be able to not hurt after, you know, chasing your grandkids around, you know, for a Sunday afternoon, right? It doesn't have to be, you know, climbing Everest or, you know, running a hundred mile race. But, but we never ask people, you know, about just their pain. We ask them about their progress towards reaching those active goals, right? So if you come in and you say, you know, oh, my knee's been really bugging me. All right. So what is this knee pain preventing you from being able to do? If you didn't have this knee pain, what sort of goals are you looking to achieve? Well, I would really love to run a half marathon this spring. Awesome. Let's focus on attaining that goal, right? And as long as you're not doing damage to your knee, I mean, you might have to run through a little bit of pain, right? Mm-hmm. But we're going to balance it out and help you 
you know, reach that goal. And that becomes the focus of our treatment, right? And so quickly, the people does the conversation get past the knee pain? And now people are asking about nutritional support for, for training and they're asking you know, for, for some exercises to help them with their cadence and their leg turnover. And you know, like, how do I get my glutes a little stronger so you know, I can run a little farther, a little faster? That the conversation switches like really early on in the course of the you know, life cycle of a patient in our clinics. And that's super important to me, you know, is establishing that active goal. So you mentioned when um, you, you put all this work into hiring another chiropractor, then you spent time and money and, and, and all that, and then kind of bailed on you. At what point do you know it's, it's time to add someone else to the practice in terms of expansion? Do you try to stay as lean as long as you can? As soon as you can hire that person, do you do that? Because then, you know, you can bill a little more for their services and, and specialities. Uh, how do you know when it is time to expand? It's like, all right, you know what? How much, how much access do you have to capital? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, if you have a million dollars, hire five people and throw a bunch of intelligent marketing at getting them busy and grow fast, right? If you don't and you're living off of, you know, your, your, your little extra that you're able to tuck away and put back into the business, be really stinking careful about it, right? Because the likelihood is you're never going to see those dollars again. Right. So, you know, that's where getting creative with your agreement so that you're not paying somebody a salary to do nothing. All right. That's the death of any business. Right. Is when you're paying, when you're working your butt off, you know, in the treatment room at 100 percent capacity and you're marketing and you're feeding this person patients and they're sitting around. Yeah. You know, I'm getting paid. If whether I see somebody or whether I don't, so you know, maybe I'm gonna start telling my patients, yeah, you know, come back when you feel like it, you know, or you're good, right? Mm -hmm. That's no, that's not what we tell our patients, right? We say everybody needs maintenance between three and six weeks to stay feeling good, right? Mm -hmm. But if they're getting paid, what's the incentive, right? And so a lot of times you really have to be careful about finding the right person and about making it performance based. So so they're they have some skin in the game, right? So they have to, they have to hustle a little bit, you know, to, to see the, the benefit of, of leveraging what you've built, right? Because I mean, they're not, they don't, they're not the name on the lease. They're not, you know, they're not the, you know, the one that, that, that had to take out a loan to, to put up these walls, you know? And so it, it's really tough when it comes to that, that growth, um, which is why a lot of people just, keep it small and then they they just stop the bleed and they rent out their rooms and then they just take you know maximize the margin on the patients that they're seeing you see it all the time people build with this idea oh i'm gonna grow you know and i'm gonna get all these associates and i'm gonna you know build this following and then i'm gonna be on the golf course while all these young bucks are making me money well guess what all it takes is a little while for those young bucks to see you on the golf course and they don't want to work hard for you anymore. Right. So, you know, work, work alongside people and inspire them and educate them and teach them, but, but they have to have some skin in the game. You know, yeah. it's just, you know, otherwise it's just a paycheck, you know, and, yeah. and that, that's, that's a slippery slope for a quality practice. Tim works it though. He makes it on the golf course quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's an avid golfer, but he works for himself. So it works out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm no stranger to the golf course, but you know, but, yeah. but it's, right. But it's, yeah, they, you know, they need the skin. Gotta, like you're saying, you gotta, you know, you gotta 
you know, be a part of a team, you know, and they, they have to, they have to feel that, that camaraderie, you know, mm-hmm. and they have to see you busting your butt too, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. right. Um, but I'll tell you the one thing too, that, you know, just as uh, a reality of how we practice and it's one of the big draws is because of the target tissue being, you know, connective tissue adhesions that we're first releasing to disrupt the pattern so that we can realign the relationship of, of the, the joints. Um, we're of the pelvis school of thought. So we really focus a lot on making sure that you have a balanced pelvis. It doesn't always start there, but man, once the pelvis is out, it's everywhere, right? Mm. So that's a big thing for us. But releasing those adhesions, because we're, we are retaining needles to release those focal adhesions. So when when you're doing a motor point, typically you don't retain the needle, right? You just get the twitch response and then you take the needle out and you're done. But when you're talking about changing the connective tissue, it's not about the poke of the needle, it's about the twist. And you wind the collagen fibers around the shaft of the needle and that causes a displacement and and an attraction force to be uh, applied to the uh, fibroblast, which is the connective tissue cell. And uh, the fibroblast then responds with a chemical shift that releases and relaxes the, the cell from the collagen matrix, which is what allows for the tissue to relax around the placement of the needle. And, and that takes some time, right? It's called mechanotransduction. It's that mechanical coupling or the twisting of the needle. Think of a fork and a plate of spaghetti, right? And, and, and that takes a little bit of time to get the tissue to relax. So most of our patients, like, they, they just like zone out, take a little nap while, while the needles are in, you know, and just chill. And that allows me to go back to the other room and finish up with the manual therapy. So I'll have at least two, sometimes even three rooms going at the same time. And, and that's not a, it's very different than in an exercise based environment where you've got two or three people exercising at the same time. They feel like you're distracted or you're bouncing between conversations or like, man, I could sit at home and do these exercises if you're just going to get me going on, on, you know, doing these band exercises and then walking away. You're not looking at my form. You're not, you know, but when they're like feel active, like, like the needles are doing something, it doesn't feel like they're being neglected. It feels like they're given the opportunity to decompress and to relax. And they view that very as a very therapeutic therapeutic part of the experience that they really look forward to, you know, and like in our clinic, like I said, it's, you know, like clean glass walls and everything is like, you know, really like, you know, kind of higher end and technical and stuff. But when you close the door, the glass wall, uh, it's frosted and it has this warm glow in the room. So it's really like relaxing and, and put a heat lamp over people's backs. So they don't get cold. And man, like, People are just like, we have laminate floors, so people are drooling on them like all day long, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, but you come back in and then, and then you do the manual therapy and stuff. And, and, but that allows me to, to really see like a lot of patients in a pretty short amount of time, you know? So I, I've been able to consolidate my work week, even though, you know, I see a, a bunch of patients, you know? So that, that, that gives me time, you know, to be in the golf course a little bit, but more so to be the CEO of a franchise company, yeah. you know, you and add two young girls, you know. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I, I wanted to ask as well, I mean, you mentioned how, I mean, bringing in new people to the business to work, uh, the creative marketing strategies you're talking about. I know you said you were getting big into to data. Uh, do you want to elaborate on some of the creative marketing strategies you've been doing to, to bring more people in? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the data stuff is great, and, and, I'll, and I'll dive into that in a minute, but there's absolutely zero substitute for uh, 
building relationships, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so the, the cheapest marketing strategies are by far the most effective, and that is word of mouth, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that you have to do is, is make it easy for your patients who just had a great experience to be able to talk about you intelligently to other potential patients, mm -hmm. right? And, and so some of that is having, you know, good, good rack cards, you know, good brochures, good marketing assets that, that, that you encourage them to take with them to be able to hand out and be able to talk about the practice, having an informative website that's actually articulate of what you do, a little bit inspiring on the emotional hook of the lifestyle and everything else. And, and making sure that, that, that people know where that is, trying to get your patients engaged in social media so that they're sharing and liking things on your page and inviting other people, uh, you know, by sharing. But, you know, it's all about building that community of, of people that are already experiencing the value of what you do, right? Mm -hmm. Don't ever look past that because they're, they're your foot soldiers out, out there when it comes to marketing. As far as driving inbound traffic, there's no substitute other than, than going out and, and, and talking to and identifying key influencers. And key influencers are people that already have access to the, the same demographic of people that you want to convert into becoming patients. So, you know, that might be your personal trainers, your yoga instructors, your health coaches, you know, the owners of your health food stores or, you know, um, running clubs, you know, things like that, that you already have people that have access to that population. Build relationships with those people and make them familiar with what you do so they become your allies, right? And, and that has to be a two-way street, right? You can't just go drop off business cards and be like, hey, I just opened up down the road. Just, uh, if, you know, if you don't mind sending people to me, you know, that would be super cool. No, you have <laughs> to, like, invite them to the clinic. You have to, like, say, hey, let's do a talk together. I'll invite all the people on my mailing list. You invite all the people on your mailing list. Now we've just doubled down on the people that can benefit from hearing. You know, mm -hmm. if you invite three or four people, oh, wow, that's all of a sudden powerful, right? Mm -hmm. And so it has to be mutual, right? And, and the other thing that, like, that sounds good to people. Oh, yeah, key influencers. Take a couple people out to lunch. It usually stops with, like, their uncle, right? And they're like, okay, <laughs> and their uncle pays for it, right? Like, that does not count. You know, it doesn't count. But if you want to be 40 patients a week busy, right, if you want to work for 40 hours a week, guess what? You have to work for 40 hours every week, even before you have 40 hours worth of patients. So if you're only seeing 10 patients, guess what? You've got 30 hours of marketing to do that week. Right. And if you take shortcuts, right, if you're on the golf course before you're seeing 40 patients, if you're just going back to the gym because you've got three hours between patients, guess what? You're never going to get there or it's going to be a really slow path. You have to put the time in. There's no substitute for putting the time in. So once you're seeing 20 patients, well, now you've got 20 hours of marketing to do. Once you're seeing 30, now you've got 10 hours. Once you're seeing 40, guess what? You know, you probably have enough word of mouth that, you know, you're going to kind of keep things flowing with the exception of, you know, you're going to have to get out there and do the occasional talk or keep yourself top of mind and relevant to make sure that, you know, inbound traffic is still filling in any attrition in your practice. But there is no shortcut. Right? There's no amount of marketing dollars that you can spend on magazine ads and billboards and all of that that's going to get you busy faster than putting in the time of building those relationships. Right? Mm -hmm. 
outside of that, when it comes to getting other people busy or when it comes to, you know, trying to get the brand out there or penetrate new markets, that's where we've had to get more creative. And, you know, there's, there's some really interesting um, opportunities to create um, like lookalike audiences on, on some of the social media platforms like Facebook. If you know your core demographic and that's another just inexcusable mistake. If any practice owner doesn't understand who the bread and butter of their practice really is right most people they'll be like, oh yeah it's athletes you know like like mostly nfl and you know professional you know yeah. they have three of them i guarantee it right yeah. the rest are like soccer moms and you know and and you know old guys with you know gout right it's like <laughs> i promise you you have to understand who your true core demographic is that is sustaining your practice now you might want to treat more professional athletes and you're going to spend a certain portion of your marketing to try to lure some of that demographic and penetrate you know uh, that that data set or penetrate that, that that type of patient but if you really want to sustain your practice you have to know who your core customers are right mm -hmm. and then and then there's ways of going out and finding where more of those people are Right. Whether it's, you know, mean household income, you know, are they a luxury car brand driver or what's their education level? You know, do they belong to a gym? Do they, you know, uh, do they participate in races? Do they subscribe to certain magazines? You know, all of that information, you, you can buy those lists, you know, for either direct mail lists or, you know, you can create lookalike audiences um, on the platforms, you know, like like Facebook, um, you know, to, to find those people. Um, we've gone as crazy as, as, as cell phone GPS uh, tracking technology. So people that anybody that passes through the clinic with a cell phone, um, just you know, it's anonymous, but we can tell where ultimately how far their drive radius from where they live is, whether they, you know, come here and then go to the gym, whether they come here and then go to the grocery store, you know, we can look at some of those at those customer behaviors so that we can look at in future locations, you know, are we best being anchored next to a big box gym? Are we best being anchored next to other boutique fitness brands? Are we better mm -hmm. being anchored next okay. to, you know, uh, a major grocery store? Um, because we're, we're putting ourselves in the, the, the densest traffic patterns of who we've identified are our patient demographics. And, um, and, and those strategies, they, they get a little complicated complicated and they and they get you know a little bit much just for the onesie clinic that's just trying to fill you know their their Monday through Friday schedule um but you know it's if you're not seeing as many people as you want to see you know it's 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 you know, it's probably because of the product, right? It's probably because, you know, you're, you're not pumping out a good experience versus, you know, just not, uh, you know, hitting all the marketing channels, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's been our experience is, is you pump out a good product and word of mouth takes care of most of the rest, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said about just building relationships in the community, like with, with, with other like influence, like influencers, like you said, cause it's all, it's all interconnected. Like the yoga instructor can't be successful in their own business. If their patients aren't healthy enough to go to the yoga classes, the runner's club like that. Yeah. That's so smart. And being able to, to collaborate with people and that way you can still educate the community on what you do and provide value up like free value up front, but also just collaborate with people and, and get your brand up. There. The other thing that, that uh, patients, uh, they um, appreciate, more than 
like you can ever imagine is if you say, hey, you know, I'm more than happy to reach out to your yoga instructor and talk with them about some of the things that we're working on to make sure that, you know, you're not overextending, you know, or, or, or make sure that you're properly warmed up before, you know, stressing the SI joint out that's been giving you trouble or things like that. And it gives you an opportunity where now it's negligent for that instructor not to respond to your email or not to, you know, mm. answer your phone call because it's, it's, it's about being a good yoga instructor that they're going to take your call to say, yes, we should talk about this, this person who is of common interest to us. And then they see you as, man, like he really cares about their patients, right? Mm. Like he really cares about his people. He wants to see them succeed. Man, this is, this is the right. I'm now confident in sending more of my yoga people to, to them because if they have any problems, you know, they're going to they're gonna give feedback and we're going to figure this out together, right? Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. right way to get involved in our patients' lives to make sure that, you know, they're not undoing what we do in the treatment room, you know, with, with a personal trainer that's just pushing them a little too hard too fast. Or, and like I've never had somebody get you know offended that I'm stepping on their toes or I'm telling them how to do their job when I'm just sharing my observations with what I think you know is going on with the patient you know mm-hmm. and, and and that's just like it builds those networks out like yeah. really fast you know but so many people are just afraid to pick up the phone or afraid to stop in and, and, and have that conversation. And it's one of those things where, you know, if you're not building those relationships and having the confidence in what you do, I always say like, like if you go back to the, the, the two words that I hate, ultimately, I hate sales and, 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 and marketing. I really don't like those terms. I like educating and relationship building, right? Because if you're doing those things, it's not about trying to convert somebody. It's about letting somebody know that they have access to quality care and they don't have to suffer anymore, right? That's educating somebody that, that there's a better solution out there. When it comes about like selling them something, now there's like a financial you know, agenda that doesn't really make it about the patient. You know, or marketing versus re- building that relationship. You know, it's like, hey, I'm looking for new friends. You know, you're like, it's like, you know, <laughs> let's let's work together. You know, I mean, that that's how it should be seen versus just, you know, what do I write on my billboard? You know, got it. Yeah, that's great. That's a good way to put it. We get caught in in those two directions of sales and marketing. Like, oh, I gotta sell this. I gotta market right, and it's talk to a few people. Tim and I talk quite a bit on the show of everything is people business, everything. no matter what it is. Every, everything is people business. Yeah, we, we eventually become a widget that, that has to, you know, maintain positive standing with, with the people in our sphere. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it doesn't really matter what you do. It all becomes about how you treat people. You know, yeah. it really does. Yeah. <clears throat> so I was uh, curious over the time um, that you were shut down for COVID, yeah. th- those two months, you know, you said you had a lot of heavy lifting to do when you got back. Over those two months, did you have any processes, anything that you saw, okay, while I'm down, I can improve on this? Yes, anything that jumped out? Yeah. What, what were those two months towards? We completely converted over to a new operating system. 
right? So we, we combined our point of sale and our EMR and, and our scheduling software onto a new platform that we had been wanting to do, but to do that in the midst of a busy week, it was just like we were, we were really afraid of, of making the jump, you know, just because mm -hmm. of, of the logistic heavy lifting that that would take so as soon as we were shut down we were like okay this is our opportunity to to convert you know our our our, our practice solutions um and one of the other reasons that made it a no-brainer was the new platform that we moved to had a built-in uh you know telemedicine uh component um so while we were converting our systems over then I, as you know, kind of the, the, the CEO and, and, and chief you know, educator in the company, we started hosting uh, um, Zoom calls with all of our therapists in the system multiple times a week, practicing and converting. How do you get rid of using your hands and how do you use your knowledge through the medium of, of telewellness to help a patient through a problem? Right. And people were like, it was amazing how paralyzed people were, how afraid they were to, hey, but how am I supposed to charge somebody and be of any value if I can't, you know, adjust them or if I can't treat them or, you know, if I can't, you know, get my hands on to evaluate what's going on. And then they started realizing how many skills they have just by asking better questions, how, you know, they could have somebody move for them on screen to, to evaluate, you know, movement and how many tools we have with, you know, foam rollers and massage balls and, you know, TheraBands and all the stuff that, that, you know, you could get people to start really doing things at home that would, that would help, you know, it might not completely correct the issue, but you know, what you saw during, during uh, quarantine was a lot of patients started doing these like challenges or like at home workouts and stuff mm -hmm. where they started getting like a lot of repetitive uh, stress injuries because they're either, you know, working out with, with, you know, not the right equipment or they're, or they're trying to do, you know, like I'm going to do like a thousand pushups, you know, in, in a week <laughs> kind of challenge. And, uh, and they just, you know, way overdid it. Um, and so uh, because of that, um, you know, there was a lot of troubleshooting that we had to do. And, um, and because we weren't able to see people live, uh, we, we were able to, to keep, you know, relationships with our patients of still being where they went for information. And one of the things that one of the therapists said early in that process was, why would they pay us when, when they could like, just, you know, go watch like a YouTube video on like how to, you know, deal with the shoulder pain. And I'm like, because they don't know which YouTube video to trust, right? They don't know which YouTube video is the right information and or whether shoulder exercises is even the solution for the pain that they're, that they're getting. And again, most people will beat up where it hurts, not necessarily look at the mechanical relationship that's going on. You know, and so a lot of people, you know, it's like they might need to stretch and open up subscap and serratus anterior, not do external rotation band exercises, mm -hmm. right? You know, it's like so helping people navigate through that is where our expertise really lies. So, so that was that was a that was a big you know kind of t a way that we used that that time. We also, like I said, really learned quickly that our plans to open more brick and mortar in prime markets was, was going to be on pause for who knows how long. Right. And so because we, we, we were built to, to start cranking out brick and mortar clinics, 
Um, so we really kind of had to think, you know, about what is practical for our stage of growth with our business. And we had to make some hard decisions of scaling back. We, you know, we had a team all built and ready to launch, but our carrying costs were really high as a result, you know? So we made some tough decisions of scaling back our team and just getting ourselves to a stable place to live to fight another day, you know? And, uh, and, and part of what we did with that was create the SE network provider option, which is um, now somebody doesn't have to be in our brick and mortar clinics to learn our education and to benefit from our practice solutions. Um, they, they don't do business as structural elements, but they can, through a subscription model, they can, they can get access to all of the courses and they can get access to the, the how-to of the practice management solutions um, just on a subscription level. So we, we, we kind of reinvented ourselves and, and built that model so that we can help other people stay alive in their practices versus, you know, building, building more clinic space. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great pivot in one you had to make quickly too yeah, and, and you got you got to adapt or die buddy it's like you right know, right well that's that's <laughs> funny you say that because tim and i in school we read uh you've read this book who moved my cheese uh -huh. and you know it's one of your business courses you read that book but it, it, it's super thin quick read it makes all the sense in the world you know you got two mice one goes to the same block of cheese every day then it runs out the other one's been moving relocating he's like you know he's full he's feeling good so it's Go with the cheese. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's good that you were able to make those adaptations quickly. And yeah. it sounds like they're there to stick too, where it can have long-term success, where it opened the door to, to some new avenues. Definitely, man. And, and this is, this kind of maybe gets back to, you know, my, uh, my, my, my Buddhist college experience here a little <laughs> bit, but, but, uh, you know, but it also is, is back when I started teaching structural elements and people said, what are you doing different? You know? And I think that for me, it boils down to, I see everything as an opportunity, not an obstacle, right? And so when, when it comes to like, oh man, shit, there's a pandemic, you know, everything's screwed. We're going to lose our, you know, clinic. We're going to lose. Well, it's like, what's the, where, there's got to be an opportunity here, right? So what is that opportunity and focus on the opportunity, not on the obstacle. And when it comes to, you know, patient care, somebody comes in and their, 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 their back is, is hurting and they're in pain and they're, they're frustrated and they're not able to gain some weight and they're not able to work out like they want to. And, you know, it's like, Oh man, you know, this, this back pain's really, you know, getting me down. There, there's a, there's a huge opportunity for change there, you know? And, and I've, I've seen so many of those people go from like, I really don't want to feel like this anymore. So what are the things that I need to, incorporate into my life to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And they start getting active. They start eating better. They start controlling inflammation. They start hydrating. You know, it's like all of these things that become a huge positive because of the situation that they were in, right? Versus seeing, oh man, the back pain is the obstacle. We just need to fix the back pain and let them go back to, you know, life as they knew it, right? It's like, no, there's an opportunity there that you have to capitalize on. And that's, you know, I think, that's kind of this like chronic optimist in me that, you know, um, that, that does make a difference, you know, is, is you have to see that potential in your patients for them. And if you don't see it in them, right. And I, I'll say like, everybody's an athlete, you know, people, Oh, I thought you only treat athletes. I do. You're an athlete. You know, you might be a dormant athlete, right. Or you might not have found your, you know, your, your competitive outlet yet, you know, but there's an athlete in there, you know, and, 
And you sometimes have to hold that space for your patients because they don't yet believe it about themselves, you know? And I think that's a huge difference in just, you know, kind of how we're, how we're wired here, you know, as we just see those, the, you know, those, those opportunities and, you know, we just keep looking for them, you yeah. know? It's a good outlook. It's hard one to, to get all the time, but that's, that's a good one to have. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy when it comes to my patients, you know, sometimes the, the burdens of running a business or, you know, when you get a little tight on the finances side or something like that, or you, you had something that you really thought was going to be like a, an awesome breakthrough and it doesn't pan out, you know, you, you have your moments where, you know, you can, you can lick your wounds for a little while. There's no, there's no, you know, no worries about, about feeling down or feeling sad, but, but again, you have to find what the, the reboot is. Okay. There's gotta be a reason that this didn't work out. What's that reason? And that reason is there's something bigger, there's something better around the next corner. You just got to sniff it out. Mm-hmm. Got to find the cheese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. All about that. <laughs> um, I had another question based on all your continued ed. I know you said you're kind of a junkie for a continued ed and, and I like always trying to find the new things, you know, whether it's, you know, Andy Galpin, Brian McKenzie, I'm on a deep breathing rabbit hole right yeah, now. Yeah, that's super great. deep. Yeah. Um, I know you put a lot of foundation on, on your Chinese medicine background, any other continued ed where you think is probably one of the more crucial elements that you've learned. I know that you have a lot of tools in your wheelhouse, anything that really sticks out like, man, this outside of the, again, outside of the Chinese medicine, this was an absolute game changer. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, to, to, to qualify this a little bit, um, it's kind of funny about, I personally have to be like a little careful about continuing ed with other modalities, but because now we're a franchise system and stuff like that, it's like if, if, if I'm incorporating something under my, you know, trademarks and stuff like that, I have to be respectful of other people's systems and not just like taking them as our own and, and, and tucking them into the structural elements approach and, and into our clinics because that's really somebody else's intellectual property, you know? Mm -hmm. So I have to be a little careful on on just, you know, how much, you know, I'm really incorporating uh, from, from what other people are doing. Um, But, uh, but for me, like the absolute pivot point, the game changer, like the almighty for me was uh, in 2007, I went to the first international Congress of fossil research at Harvard uh, med school and, and this conference society, um, this FASHA Congress, is still, like, we're the gold sponsors for Montreal in 2021. It's, it's, oh, wow. the, it's the place that brings together the leading scientists from around the world with all of the innovative practitioners and, and really looks at the data and the science behind what's happening to the tissue. Right. And for me, this is it because, you know, there's a, there's a lot in the early myofascial days, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, you look at the snag sweater, right. And how all the threads of the sweater and all that. And we've learned that it's not really, you know, how collagen and, and how fascia behaves. Right. You know, but, but the formation of cross links and the change, you know, of, of the tensile strength of collagen in response to mechanical stress, that's all real. Right. And it's all measurable. And, you know, I went, I spent a lot of damn money on, on, on going to school for Chinese medicine and I could never get a straight answer of what those needles are actually doing. 
Oh, it's unblocking the cheat. Okay, I get that. What does that mean? <laughs> well, you know, it's like, you know, it's on the channel. Okay, what's the channel? What's the energy pathways? Okay, yeah. what's this energy? Like, quantify it, measure it. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a middle hippie answers. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm a Midwestern boy. I'm from Wisconsin. I'm like, I need data. You know, I need, I need to visualize this stuff. And what the Fascia Congress did for me was it gave me language that ultimately this, this chi, this energy that I learned about in, in Chinese medicine, it's communication within the body. And, and the fascial mm -hmm. system and the connective tissue is really the pathway of how the body communicates with itself systemically and and a lot of the changes that happen is the blockage or the interruption of that communication and to look at what happens in terms of the again the spiraling or the manipulation of the connective tissue around the shaft of a needle when you get that mechanical coupling and to be able to measure the actual chemical shift in the tissue and, and be able to look at a fibroblast under an electron microscope and actually see the changes you know, occur after it's been stretched for, for you know, a period of time. To me, I'm like, that's what's happening when I put a needle in the body. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I'm not unblocking the chi in my mind, right? If somebody else, that's how they, they experience it, fine. But I'm winding connective tissue around a needle. When I wind that connective tissue, I improve mobility between muscle layers that are along these connective tissue planes that maybe some people call meridians, right? You know, uh, Thomas Myers in Anatomy Trains, you know, calls them, you know, you know, myofascial, you know, uh, meridians or myofascial lines, right? Superficial back line, you know, maybe in Chinese medicine they call it the bladder channel. It doesn't matter what you call it, but there's 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 a continuity of tissue that is pre-stressed in the body all the time and to be able to really understand how that tissue behaves and look at that tissue as an intelligent system even an organ system um, to me gave context to everything that I had experienced clinically and and everything that I had learned in terms of kind of the the lore of Chinese medicine and how they approach the body for me it just it clicked and it gave us a ton of language and kind of backed up what we were already doing with a lot more science to 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 validate you know our clinical approach so that that again that that conference or congress is happening every couple of years um it was going to be uh in, in in 2021 in uh, in montreal in september um but it's getting postponed by a year um but but they have awesome resources on their website and um, you know, it's, it's, again, it's just a coming together it kind of started with like the structural integration, a uh, kind of rolfing, you know, school of thought and, and then, and then paired together leading researchers from around the world in, mm -hmm. in, in connected tissue science. And, uh, and, and, and that to me was like the bee's knees. Yeah. That's awesome. Sounds like it gave you a nice language to talk between other, uh, practitioners as well and yeah. also deliver to patients because What's this chi shit you're talking about, man? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't go very far. And yeah. like, you know, like um, I used to lecture um, to a lot of orthopedic surgeons because uh, treating spinal injury was 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 something that I did a lot of at a, at a different stage of my career. And uh, you know, you get up and and you know say, okay, how many people you know have seen you know double blind control based studies in the uh, you know effectiveness of acupuncture as a therapy? And nobody raises their hand. Right. Okay. Can I see a show of hands if uh, anybody can uh, tell me uh, of a double blind control based study at the effectiveness of spinal stabilization surgery? And nobody raises their hand. Right. Who's the placebo group? Right. Like you're not going to open somebody up and not fuse their spine. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's all based on clinical trials and, 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 and tracking outcomes. You know, Chinese medicine has been around for 5,000 years. You know, you think that they would maybe change something if it wasn't working, right? right. So the fact that it's really hard to do double-blind control-based studies because everybody is bio-individual and has kind of nuances of how you treat. And if you just do the same points for the same symptoms or the same condition, you're not really treating the patient right and the, the sham acupuncture and all of that it's you know um it's 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 tough to to, to study but again you you're not going to open people up and not perform spinal stabilization surgery if that's what they've signed up for right mm-hmm. so it's based on this clinical trials and then you go into images of you know using real-time ultrasound of watching connective tissue spiral around the shaft of a needle and you see under an electron microscope you know the the, the stretch on the connective tissue cell and the fibroblast and and at the end of it there's no question in the room that it, that those needles are doing something right that it's not hocus pocus that it's measurable change that it's it's it, you're able to visualize it that you know that these adhesions form on the inter, intramuscular septas that you know move all the way deep from the from you know superficial you know uh, layers of the skin all the way to the periosteum of the bone and it's measurable tension change you know uh, when when you're getting that mechanical coupling you take the 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 the, the the kind of the stigma or the, the dogma out of it, you know, it's like now it's not, you know, this like, you know, kind of out there thing. It's like, no, it's just your twisting tissue yeah. <laughs> you know? right. that change, you know? Yeah. So. That's great. Um, Tim, any other questions for Doug? I have one based on bias before our final question. Then Doug, I want to make sure we answer anything else that, that you want to get into before we kind of yes. wrap things up a little bit here. Uh, no, I think I cover what I want to cover. I think yeah. I'm good on my end. Yeah. I know I'm good at hogging question time too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Doug, I'm a nutrition guy and curious if you guys have nutrition aspects in your practices, what you guys do with, with food and things like that. Yeah. So, um, to answer that is we, we really look at like a triad of factors in our, in our practice. One is structural imbalances, which we've talked a lot about, right? And so that's kind of the, the, the nuts and bolts of what we do on, on a daily basis. The next is what we call form and footwear and form is, is not just, uh, I have a big background in running. So a lot of, you know, that language has come from running education. But form is, you know, how are you spending your time? What are your ergonomics? What are your, you know, mechanics? What are your techniques? You know, uh, and, and, and how are you using your body? And the footwear component of that is, is uh, you know, we do sell, you know, shoes and, and orthotics. We do custom orthotics here as well and, and, and do believe uh, in, you know, a balanced foot is important uh, for having a foundation to build on. So <clears throat> the other corner of that triad is metabolic factors. And for us, metabolic factors includes not only nutrition, but it also includes recovery time. It includes, you know, heart rate training. Are, are you, you know, um, properly oxygenating, you know, blood and tissue after exercise or are you, you know, in, a, in an oxygen deprived state? Um, when it comes to nutrition, um, I personally have a pretty, you know, uh, vast background. But in the practice, the number one thing that we focus on is is inflammatory foods and in in the big nutrition conversation that we have is just about controlling systemic inflammation we we get a lot of people that come in and and their mechanical pain resolves fairly quickly but they have lingering uh irritation because of systemic inflammation in their body and so for a lot of people you know that 
that is wrapped up in gut health. For a lot of people, that's wrapped up in, in, in poor hydration of the tissue. Um, healthy connective tissue has a quality to it called visoelasticity. And if you are chronically inflamed or don't have enough fat and oil in the body, that will cause you know, uh, drying out and, and loss of elasticity to connective tissue. So it's going to be more brittle. You know, like that's where like, you know, your plantar fasciitis and stuff like that becomes much more prevalent in an aging population that's drying out. It's because they lose that elasticity and they start to tear tissue easier. Um, so the, the nutritional, we, we do some nutraceuticals, but, but for the most part, it's really about, you know, gut health and, and, and hydration are, are the, the, the big rocks in the small box that, that help most people. And then, uh, just lists of what are inflammatory foods. Um, this, we, we carry some of their products, but this isn't like, my plug to endorse them, but, um, the, um, Dave Osprey from, uh, from Bulletproof, um, they've done a really great job of, of mapping foods from, from Bulletproof to toxic. And, uh, and we use that, that chart for a lot of people just to help them navigate food choices, either in a restaurant or at the grocery store, you know, it's like, eat this, not that. And it's usually for most people, it's just like, uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll just eat this. I like eating that just as much as this, but people don't realize that, you know, some of the mycotoxins and the molds and, and things that are in a lot of foods that they don't realize, you know, they're, they're ingesting, you know, in their body. Um, the other, the only other thing about nutrition that we really try to promote is, is, you know, eat real food. And, and, you know, so we try to promote, you know, fewer than five ingredients, you know, on a box, um, you know, organic is great. Um, non-GMO is, is, is really important, um, local when you can, you know, and, and so, you know, just trying to eat food that's not full of a bunch of extra stuff that your body's having to get rid of. Um, because unfortunately, you know, a lot of those phytoestrogens and things like that translate just into inflammation and soft tissues, you know? Um, so, you know, we, hormones and, and meats and things like that, it's just, it, they don't just flush out of the body. They, they inflame the body, you know? Mm. So, um, sure. so that, that, those are a lot of the conversations that we have on a patient by patient basis. Sweet. Uh, Doug, yeah, before our final question, we kind of have our, our same last question we ask everybody, but anything else you wanted to touch on, uh, before we kind of wrap things up here, maybe something that we didn't, didn't get to anything else you want to add to the show? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I said it, I said it earlier in, in, in the, in the talk, but again, um, I, I want to just kind of leave with this is that one of the reasons why I love doing podcasts and I love talking to people like you guys is, you know, it's all about breaking down the barriers between individual professions and even, you know, you know, from, from allopathic medicine to alternative medicine or from chiropractors to physical therapists to acupuncturists. And, you know, it, it's, it's all about learning from each other. And, and we're so about education and that education isn't about just what we know and what we can tell other people, but it's about learning from others. And it's like, I say to, you know, all of our therapists, you got to check your ego at the door. You know, it's all, we have an open door policy. If you can't figure something out, get somebody else that might be able to, you know? And, and so I just highly encourage developing a network and a forum to be able to talk to other practitioners. A lot of practitioners get siloed in their own practice and, and get afraid of losing business. So they view everybody else as competition. That's a really unhealthy place to get to just in terms of 
isolating yourself from a great community that has common interests and, and that you could really commiserate with or learn from or, you know, and, and so I just encourage that, that you, you think about, you know, there's plenty, there's plenty of sick people, there's plenty of hurt people in the world, right? Let's all work together to figure out how we can make them active people and happy and healthy people, right? Absolutely. And, and, you know, and that's, that's where the world gets to be a better place. That's awesome. Couldn't agree more with that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, our, our, our last question, uh, we kind of finished with a little deeper one, but when, when it's all said and done, uh, your, your time is up here. How do you, as Doug Bertram, want to be remembered? Yes, I, I love the word legacy. I really do. And, and I feel like I have put in a lot of hard work and, and a lot of time learning some of the observations I've made about the body, right? And, and I want to archive that to live beyond myself. And, and all of the, you know, the hours and hours of videos and all the educational content that we've dropped and all the podcasts and everything else, like, I want to be remembered as somebody who is just trying to leave the world better than I found it, you know. And, and for me, um, it's, it's kind of in this order. It's you got to have fun right? There's a lot of people that take their health too seriously and, and it, they're missing the point, right? It, it, you got to have fun. You got to have friends, you, you know, you got to share the experience and, 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 and share the ride. And then at the end of the day, you know, when I close my eyes, I want to know that I'm getting, you know, to a place of success through ethical means, you know, it's, you, you got to do it by being a good person and, and by treating other people with love and with, with kindness, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so for me, I, I want to be remembered as a, as a hard worker that, you know, that produced this good body of work, but also, you know, that, that laughed a lot and, 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 you know, have a lot of people who I cared about and they cared about me. Yeah, it's great. That's awesome, man. Yeah. We, uh, Hey, look, we really appreciate you joining us today. We know you got business time, family time, practice time. So thanks for taking your time with us today. Um, I know we kind of chopped it for a while and, uh, it's, it's easy and fun to tell how much you love what you do, which is easy to see how good you are at what you do too. So yeah, I appreciate that. I do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, again, it doesn't, you know, I'm not spending my time unless you guys are committed to, you know, lining <laughs> stuff up and getting people on your show and all that. So I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, doing what you do and taking the time. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, likewise, man. All right. Yeah, we'll be in touch soon. We'll send everything to you uh, probably within the next five to seven days or so. And then we'll get it launched out. Yeah, sounds good, man. All right. Thanks, thanks Doug. Doug. Yep. Enjoy your day. Yeah, you too. Yep.